Hello, welcome to the filmpulse.net podcast. This is episode number 110. My name is Adam. With me today we have Kevin. What's going on, Kevin? Uh, nothing much. Nothing much? Nothing cool. much. My nose is still bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Nosebleed 2014 update. Kevin, Kevin's nose still bleeding. <laughs> uh it's just it's just my life now just it's part of you you're living with it yeah it's it's like a it's it's an aspect of my personality now hmm interesting i like it yeah keep an eye on see how it changes me yeah cool cool well this week we'll be talking about some of what we've been watching before getting into two feature reviews ping pong summer and wes anderson's latest the grand budapest hotel and finally, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Uh, f- first up, let's talk about someone we've been watching. I only have one thing that I can talk about this week, so... You only have one thing? Yeah, so I saw some other stuff, but I can't really... Can't talk about I'll, Yeah, I'll be talking about some other stuff next week, so... Unbelievable. Finally got to see The Great Beauty. Now, I, th- this is on my list for this week, so I will be watching this this week. Uh, but I didn't get a. Ch- I, I was gonna try to squeeze it in this weekend, but I had a wedding, so it was it was tough. I didn't, didn't get a chance. Didn't happen. Just didn't no. happen for you. But, but I will be watching it next week. So uh, I have to say that I wish I watched it or was able to watch it last year because it definitely would have been on my top ten because it is unbelievable. I'm pretty excited. The I mean, within like the first five minutes, it's just really nothing but just this sweeping camera coming in and just showing you Rome. And it's just unbelievably beautiful. Just, you know, the the zoom ins, the painting left, painting right, just all the stuff. And you, I I honestly was just like, I I don't care. I don't care what what this movie's about. As long as they keep doing this, I, I love it. Because the the imagery is just breathtaking. Well, I'm pretty excited because I got the Blu-ray, so I'm I'm excited to see it in beautiful high definition. Oh, you're, it's going to be amazing! And it, then the other thing, you know, slap on top of it, Tony Servilla is unbelievable. This Jap, the main character, follows him around. He's just turned 65. He's having this big blowout bash. He wrote one, I think it was like a novella, like 40 years ago that people are still talking about and saying that it's like the greatest thing ever written. And for the last 40 years, he's just been partying hard. (laughs) That's all he does. And after his, you know, 65th birthday, he realizes that his life has been nothing. And then he just sort of starts to change a little bit, but not too much. It's actually a very engrossing story, but I'm I'm excited to see it. Yeah. You, you're definitely going to be loving it for the cinematography. It's got that. Even if you don't like the story, you at least got that going for you. And then I immediately want to go to Rome. Always have. Yeah. But plus that it's also, it's nice in that way too, because I probably never will get to go to Rome. So it's like I took a little vacation. Uh, well, the only one that I can talk about is a, is one called Jesus People. Jesus People. And, now, and this actually comes out, I think, on Tuesday. Now, how, and now how is this said? Is it like people of Jesus, so they're Jesus people, or is it Jesus people? No, it's it's Jesus people. Ah, uh, not like Jesus, comma people. That would be fun. So basically, it's a it's a mockumentary. Oh, right, uh, it's right. based on a it's based on a Funny or Die series. 
And it's uh, this it's about. This sounds awful already. <laughs> it's about actually, you know what? It's it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. Like the cover of this movie looks makes it look atrocious. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But it's so it's a mockumentary about this pastor who believes that he's dying. He thinks that he's dying, so he wants to make one last attempt to try to to reach his son who he believes is taking the, the wrong path and so he decides to put together a christian pop band in order to reach his son and it's just about how this this pop band comes to be and they achieve success like really quickly and how they kind of allow the, their fame to cloud their their message their their message of Jesus <laughs> and it, it's it's really it's actually quite funny like it's really funny I laughed out loud like numerous times and I thought that I wasn't going to be on board with this movie at all and it, it kind of really accurately encapsulates the the whole Christian pop thing and how ridiculous it is or can be and it's it's pretty funny i mean like towards the end it it gets a little bit more serious and it's it started to lose me near the end but overall i was actually really surprised at how much i enjoyed this movie hmm. it is it's pretty funny hmm. more jesus movies coming out yeah but this one's <laughs> <laughs> This one's definitely making fun of that whole thing, but it does it in a tasteful way. It's not like condemning people that are that are Christians or into Christian pop. It's sort of lighthearted mm. in in its uh, making fun of sort of way. Well, sort of to go along with that, with with these uh, religious movies coming out. Did you see the trailer for Heaven Is for Real? Uh no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch that because that's okay. another religious movie coming out. I don't know what's going on with all these religious movies coming out. It's it's an epidemic. Jesus people apparently was it first screened in like two thousand nine. So oh, wow, I, I don't know. It took them a long time to get this thing out there, and it, in like the the press notes and stuff, they compare it to a Christopher Guest movie. But I would actually compare it more to to like The Office. Like, there's a lot of um, scenes where the the people are addressing the producers and and the people behind the camera, and you get to see a lot of the people behind the camera throughout okay. it. So like, there's a lot of times where there's they pull like a gym where they look directly at the camera when somebody says something ridiculous. They do that a lot and. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, I mean, I guess they're sort of ripping off what they did in the office, but at the same time, it still works. Like, I still find that funny, that that kind of just, you know, it's the same reason that I that I like Keenan Thompson on SNL. Just his his reactions, the way his facial <laughs> expressions are when ridiculous things are going on. Uh, so I, I would say it's a light recommend. Light recommend. Mm-hmm. I have a non-recommend. Uh-oh. Uh, till that madness do us part. Wang Bing's epic documentary. Hunt. Wang Bing. Wang Bing, two hundred twenty minutes. 
This does not sound fun. <laughs> you think that's not fun? Just wait till you find out what it's about. So it's a 228 minute documentary with no commentary, no music, no nothing. Just wang bing and his camera just following around inmates, patients, prisoners, whatever you want to call them, at a Chinese mental institution. Mm. So. Yeah. How long is it? <laughs> 228 minutes? 228 minutes. Ugh. So get ready. Sound right up your alley? Yeah, it uh, sounds like a laugh riot. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want to just hate the world and life in general, and you got 228 minutes to spare, watch Till Madness Do Us Part. It's actually, the, the one thing that's pretty interesting about it is the fact that the entire time that they're following around these patients, whatever you want to call them, which at the end of the film they do sort of give you a little bit of information. And the main thing to know is that most of these people were um, signed into this place against their will. You know, mm-hmm. it's either family member or they just pissed off the wrong official or they have enemies, something. So they just end up here. And there's actually a couple of people that don't even know their names. <clears throat> so it's just rooms. All it is is just rooms and an outside corridor that's sort of um, just fenced in. And the rooms just have like four beds in it. And they're just like metal cot frames. They actually look like they have some decent blankets and stuff. It actually looks slightly comfortable. So it's just nothing but those rooms and then one room that has a TV in it. And that's it. Like they, for some reason, I don't even think there's a bathroom because the half the time they show these guys pissing, it's just in like this plastic basin that's underneath their bed. Or like the one guy just pisses on the wall. (laughs) So it's just, it's 228 minutes of that. And the other very interesting thing is the one guy gets to go home for like 10 days. So you're like, okay, it's the only time the camera goes outside of the mental institution. So you're like, all right, she gets to go home. Let's check this out. And you quickly realize why they have sort of lost their minds because his home is probably 20 times worse than the mental institution. It looks like it's a, he lives in like this bombed out building and just the entire surrounding area just looks like a war zone. And it's just, you know, like concrete floor, two rooms. It's like, it's not a house. It's, I mean, you completely understand why he's in the mental institution. I don't understand why I would have to make it so long, though. I, I, I don't know. That seems like that's the new, you know, international, these international uh, filmmakers. That's their shtick now. Everything has to be like four hours long. And critics, critics fucking eat it up. Ah, it's four just... hours. It's so good. It's like, it's, it is almost as if that's a term of endearment, you know, like your movies three hours long or more that makes it better somehow. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. There's no reason this should be 228 minutes long. It looks like the great beauty is two and a half hours long. Yeah. That, that one's a bit, a bit long. Well, I, I, it's not a trend that I like. It seems like every film nowadays has to be like over two hours long. It's a, yeah, I it's mean, annoying. a lot of the, like yeah, like a lot of the big uh, blockbuster, you know, summer blockbusters are also 
two plus hours. Like I got this weekend, I got from Netflix. I got the uh, the Hunger Games. What's the second one? Some mm-hmm. like Catching Fire or something like that. Yeah, I pull that out, and that's like two hours and thirty minutes long. I'm like, why the fuck are these Hunger Game movies so goddamn long? <laughs> Well, they're splitting the third one, third book up into two, two movies. Christ. <laughs> Just learn how to fucking tell a story in under two hours. We used to do it all the time. Now everything's well, got to be I mean, over two hours long. And then not even that, they got to be cut up into like three or four movies. Yeah, I mean... For I don't know what I'm pretty sure with the third Hunger Games book that was just a cash grab. But I mean, as far as the the specifically the Hunger Games, there wasn't anything that they put in the movie that wasn't in the book. So it's not like they were padding yeah. the runtime. I think sometimes if it's an adaptation of a book, it's a little bit more understandable because they're trying to fit everything in. You know, especially if it's like a big story, a big. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I still agree with you. Yeah, I'm just getting, I'm getting tired of long movies. Yeah. But then I am the dumbass that keeps watching them, so. <laughs> me too. Well, me too. But, you know, we kind of have to in, in most instances. Uh, did you have any others you wanted to mention? No. Okay, well, let's just jump right into Ping Pong Summer. Now, this is a film that I don't believe it has distribution yet. Could be wrong. But it premiered at Sundance. It also screened at South by and probably has some more festivals that it's going to be hitting up, I would imagine. It's written and directed by Mike Tully and it stars a whole bunch of people. Susan Sarandon, Leah Thompson, Judah Freelander, Amy Sedaris, John Hanna, Robert Longstreet. I uh, can't remember the kids' names because I'm I not sure. I think one is Miles Massey. Plays Teddy Fry or Teddy Fly. I do, I do. It, it always bothers me with these films, like on IMDb when they do like the cast list or whatever. Yeah, I can't find the main, yeah, the like two all, main kids. All the main characters are just like sprinkled in at the bottom. Like yeah. Marcello Conte, who plays Brad Miracle, who's the main fucking character, is like listed 20, yeah, like 23rd. <laughs> So anyway, uh, the synopsis is a family vacation is during the summer of 1985. Uh, changes everything for a teenage boy obsessed with ping pong and hip hop. And hip hop. Doesn't say that, but he's obsessed with that as well. I think he's actually and more obsessed with hip hop than he is ping pong. I, yeah, I think so. I think so. And uh, as Kevin mentioned, his name is Rad Miracle, which, <laughs> it's, which I love it's amazing. right there. And now we haven't we haven't discussed this movie yet, but we were talking on the phone earlier. And what I said was, not only is this a movie that takes place in the '80s, but the way that the film is structured, it's it's like an '80s movie. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the way that the characters, like the dialogue, the way that the characters act. Mm-hmm. It's very much like an 80s movie. And I think that for some people, they may have a hard time getting around that because it it can be kind of hard to swallow in certain parts of this movie. Yeah. Um, Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. I like on my uh, on my letterbox review, I, it, it reminds me of One Crazy Summer with Hoops McCann. Yeah. yeah. Hoops. There's a, like all those old movies that just used to play endlessly on Comedy Central throughout the day when you would just, you know, lay on your couch and hit yourself and just watch them mm-hmm. one after another. 
And for me, it was when he goes like full tilt 80s, it works perfectly. I'm talking about like the opening sequence of the film Loved with, it. with the hip hop and him, him playing ping pong and then doing, I don't know if that was like a mixture of the robot with the moonwalk oh, yeah. and something. I don't know what. And He's the trying to pop and lock. He's popping and locking while doing the moonwalk at the same time. And just all that was fantastic. The first uh, ping pong battle with uh, with the bully and how they would freeze frame after every... <laughs> Loved that. I thought that was so awesome. After every point, it just... The only unfortunate thing is, is it's it's too far and, too far and you know... It just doesn't happen. 80s camp. Yeah, but it just doesn't happen enough. I mean, the most of the time, the the way the film plays out, it's just sort of like listlessly, you know, meandering through. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot of ping pong in Ping Pong Summer except towards the end. Yeah. When he's, you know, ready for his rematch and he does the training with Susan Sarandon. And there's, so there's not a whole lot of ping pong going on, but there are just so many fun little 80s things sprinkled in there mm-hmm. that remind me of my childhood plus the fact that it takes place at, at ocean city yeah <laughs> like i i meet I, I was immediately on board for that plus the fact that right off the bat he's wearing a super duper oh, super duper <laughs> louver <laughs> t-shirt i freaked out as soon as i saw that i was like oh my god he's wearing a hershey park t-shirt <laughs> and that's the thing there's a lot of stuff that was, that was it was so much like my childhood so like yeah. on a personal level i loved it especially when they first get to the house and his sister's like oh we should have just went to deep creek and i'm like deep creek <laughs> <laughs> i used to go to deep creek every year yeah my my grandparents owned a home in deep creek so there's, yeah, so a, it, there's it, a lot of stuff like that that's just and just the way because i was obsessed with hip-hop when i was little as well mm-hmm and unfortunately, I used to do a lot of the stuff that he did, you know, popping and locking. I never, I, I love I never it let when, people see me do that, though. I love it when they go to the uh, underage club and he goes up to the bartender and he goes, suicide. And then they show him filling up all the flavors of soda. Because I remember doing that when I was little. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's just, there's just so many fun little things in this movie. And... I, and <clears throat> Like you, like you mentioned before, like how they would do the freeze frames during the the ping pong scenes and stuff. There were all these little touches that they added in that I loved. Like anytime they used like slow motion and stuff in it, I loved it. But I did want more of that style. Yeah, and uh, I love the opening credits too. Oh yeah, over the Fat Boys. Mm-hmm. Kidding me? Loved you it. Kidding me? I uh, I also loved the. The, the montage when they were playing the dragon sound song, the friends song. <laughs> thought that was great. Oh, God. But I did think the acting was horrible. Oh, the acting got awful. I thought that the acting was just so bad. I liked, I didn't think that the, the kid that played Rad was a good actor, but I just, I liked that character so much because he was so awkward and weird. Yeah. That I, acted, that I loved all his, I think he just did his delivery. I think he did play it exactly the way he needed to play it. Yeah. And I did love uh, Teddy Fry. I, did, I don't I know he, why. I just, I loved because he was so ridiculous and just with his mesh shirts and his gold chains. Yeah. And just the, the ridiculous things he would say. Oh my God. And I mean, you could tell that he was just, 
he was just being blatantly terrible on purpose. Yeah. And there's just a lot of little fun jokes or, you know, throwaway jokes when like one for me was when they first the the boys themselves are hilarious because they have this weird, weird relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that an overweight redhead is a bully. It just didn't make sense. <laughs> no, but he the way that he portrayed that character was like every every 80s movie bully ever with the uh the nonstop laughing, like the cackling and how he was always on like the dick of the main guy, you know? Oh god. Uh, and he even says a lot of things that, you know, come off as very very very, yeah. very questionable. <laughs> And just, uh, uh, and just, you know, like they first, first or second time they meet him or whatever, and you know they're walking down the street, and he's like, "Oh man, they're a couple," and he's like, "Nah, they're just good friends." <laughs> just stupid shit like that. Oh god, uh, uh, the scene involving the milk when he dumps the milk on him, <laughs> I thought was funny, and he, and when he when he sits like the half half gone gallon of milk and Leah Thompson's <laughs> like what happened he goes I was hot and thirsty <laughs> he just walks away uh, uh, I just thought that was really funny the, oh, what'd you think of uh, um, her, his parents Leah Thompson and uh, um, I, I thought his name John Hanna I thought that they were played to 80s perfection as well especially Leah Thompson oh, yeah of course Leah Thompson <laughs> It just played it perfectly. Um, I loved uh, Amy Sedaris as Aunt Peggy. It's it's odd because I don't I don't know because there's a lot of things that I don't think people really get. Like when she brings out her sculptures, mm-hmm. there's like seashell penises or whatever that she makes. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, do people buy this stuff? And she's like, oh, you know, at uh, they go crazy for it in Rehoboth. It's like mm-hmm. I don't think people are gonna. No, nope. they're not gonna get, gonna get that. They're not. Uh, but we get it, and that's what matters. <laughs> I think anybody anybody that's lived in the Northeast probably gets a lot of the jokes. But like I watched it with Mary, and she didn't pick up on a lot yeah, of stuff. That's gotta but, be the thing. But that I that's always it's funny because I I know that like I get that joke, I get that reference because. It's honestly because I go to Rehoboth every year, so I honestly hear about it from like the older people at work. Like that's the only thing that they mention if you bring up Rehoboth is oh Rehoboth's got a lot of gay people, and I'm just like I've never seen that though. Like at Rehoboth, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I've always heard that. I don't. But I don't understand it. Yeah, I've very never. confused. Uh, Judah Freelander plays a convenience store clerk for like a second. Yeah, he, he doesn't really have much to do. He's still pretty funny in it. I but. do like that he he breaks down because he goes in. Oh, he gets he his, does it perfectly. He gets his icy, and like as he's getting his icy, I'm thinking, "You are fucking doing this all wrong. What are you doing?" <laughs> and then it's followed up immediately by Judah Freelander breaking down how you get an icy. Yeah, well, it, it, that's also funny because every summer I was so obsessed with ices. I'd get them like every single day. You know, I'd go across the street. I lived right across the street from a convenience store. I lived right across the street from the Rudders there. And I would just go go get an Icy every day. You got to get your Icy. Yeah. Now, what did you think of Susan Sarandon as uh, Randy Jammer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, if we're not, if we haven't sold you on this movie yet, <laughs> yeah. Just, her name's Randy Jammer. Uh, what it? What it was her nickname at the end when Teddy Fry gives everyone nicknames? Oh, oh what was her was name? It the, was it the Rammer? <laughs> she he ended up calling her the Rammer. I think she was just like, no, no thanks. Uh, I I thought she was great. I wanted more of her in it, but. I liked I liked her as the the creepy the creepy lady that everybody's afraid of. I know because she you know, because cause she cause eats that's cra- such a she eats crabs with the shell still on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's always carrying around like a dead fish. Oh god! And I like how she was like a champion at everything. <laughs> she had all those trophies. Well, that's the other thing that I love about it is they're terrible at ping pong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Rad Miracle and Lyle Ace are both they're just awful <laughs> Lyle Ace <laughs> fucking terrible at ping pong and it's like why are you so into this game you're terrible at it well it wasn't even like the interesting thing was like it was like he just picked it up though, <laughs> yeah. you know like it was it wasn't like something that he was obsessed with early on like in the beginning of the movie, he just picked it up, so it was like he never really played it before. Uh, and, and you know, it's it's centered around ping pong, but I probably would have just been just as happy if it didn't focus on any kind of ping pong at all, and it was just a summer, yeah. you know, coming of age story. Yeah. Like the ping, all the ping pong stuff was just, uh, I mean, it was fine, but it was just, it felt extraneous to me. Like I didn't need it. Yeah. But I, but, I did uh, like the fact that it, it was used to severely piss off Robert Longstreet's character. I just like how he <laughs> oh got, God. yeah, he got so pissed off. He got so mad that he was playing a game, an indoor game in the summertime <laughs> when he should be outside. That was, that was the main thing that I was sort of missing from ping pong summer with I mean, we talked about Michael Tully's uh, film before this, Septian. I think we talked about it on the show before. Mm-hmm. And Septian's very, very bizarre. It's really bizarre. And I kept thinking that it was going to go that route in Ping Pong Summer. But it just it never quite did. It, it gets close. It gets close. There's... And that's when I was like, you know, at those points, I'm just like rubbing my hands together. Like, yes, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> And then it just never delivered. Yeah, I mean, it gets it does get pretty close to being weird. It's it's a surprisingly I didn't find it to be a very accessible film, like less than I anticipated. Like when I first read about it, I thought that it was just going to be kind of like an '80s comedy coming of age, but it's it's actually quite different. And I think a lot of people are going to have a hard time getting behind this one just because I think that maybe they don't. They don't get it because it's not the way that we've been describing it. It almost sounds like it's a, uh, like a parody movie, you know, or like, a, you know, goof spoof, goof spoof, goof spoof, like goof spoof or something like because the, there's there are plenty of those. Uh, what was the one that I saw not too long ago, like Roller Town or the FP or any of these movies that just take a look at the 80s and just blow it way out of proportion and make it, you know, silly and goofy. But it's not. It's much more subtle the way that they present everything in this movie. Yeah, it looks like 
it looks like it was made in the 80s. Yeah. And, like, it's just been rediscovered, like, Miami Connection. Like, yeah, that exactly. Sort of deal. It's, it's not like it's just <laughs> making fun of the, the pop culture of the 80s. It looks like it's actually an 80s movie. Yeah. Someone, when you know, when they were clearing out the local blockbuster, they found it in the back room. Yeah, found a VH like, copy of that sucker. Yeah, yeah. In fact, to that degree, I actually would have liked it better if they added some, like, vhs type filters or something to make it eat look even more like the 80s i just wanted more ridiculous freeze frames those were great though (laughs) (laughs) just a look on his face as he's getting fucking served left and right what'd you think of the now there is there's like a love story in this also what'd you think of that well it's i mean it's it's a summer movie so you gotta have that in there so i was okay with it Especially given the fact that she was, she her addiction to sugar. She was all hopped up. She would, would she drink ices with uh, pixie sticks and pop rocks? Yeah. And I thought that that was going to be the thing where Tully was going to go the weird route with it. Like they were going to, you know, really take that into a realm. Like, I mean, he touches on a little bit where he's like, where he just flat out asks her, do you store cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> And then at the end, she's like, I'm off sugar. And he's like, but what about the cocaine? <laughs> she's like, I, I've never done cocaine. So I thought that they were going to end up like treating that like an actual drug addiction. And it was going to get well, very got, bizarre. Yeah, they got close with it when they did the uh, point of view. When she was drinking it and everything was kind of like pink. And yeah, I was. Crazy I, yeah, looking. I thought there was going to be more of that. I was really yeah, looking got, forward to it. They got close to that. I also liked uh, Rad's sister, how she was like the goth chick. I thought she was funny. Uh, I just, I just liked it overall. I liked it very much. I, I enjoyed it as well. It was, it was a good time for me. And then that's the only thing for me that it's difficult. Like I don't know how much I can recommend it though, because it really hit home for me because it was a lot like my childhood. Yeah, the time period and the location. I mean, this was a. This is like our childhood. Yeah. It's crazy. So essentially, it's like <laughs> I can only recommend it to people like our age, like around yeah. our age, that if you grew up in like in or around Ocean City or, you know, vacation there, maybe like South Central Pennsylvania, if you're yeah. from that area. Definitely. Definitely know. see it because it, it will hit home for you. I'm, I'm wondering. Um, we're going to try to get Mike Tully on the show, but I'm wondering if he's... Oh, I, I, he, I immediately had to ask him about Deep Creek. I want to know if he's ever been to Deep Creek. I'm just wondering if he's from that area. If, because I would think that if you make a movie like this, you have to be from somewhere around there. I would imagine. Uh, either way, I'm going to give Ping Pong Summer a... I'll go 7 out of 10 on Ping Pong Summer. Ooh, 7 I want like a 5. A five. One of five. It's. I mean, it's. <laughs> You're saying a lot of nice things about. I know. That's. That's the thing. Like it's. It's a bad movie. It's not that great. But I mean, I fucking had fun with it. It was a lot of fun. But I, that's what I'm saying is difficult because a lot of the stuff that I had fun with was all like personal. Mm-hmm. Very very yeah. personal stuff for me. So you know, like okay. all the, a lot of the references worked for me because I'm like, yes, that's my childhood. Awesome. But I don't yeah. know if they would work with everyone. Well, who cares? <laughs> it worked for you. That's what matters. 
I think it'll work. I, I think that it'll work for people that just grew up during the eighties. I mean, they're, they're, if they didn't grow up in that area, sure. There's going to be some things that they don't pick up on, but it's relatively subtle things. And I think that ocean city, the backdrop of ocean city is a lot similar to a lot of other beach towns, you know? Yeah. I mean, sure. Like you don't have this, the same boardwalk in the specific places, but and I love the uh, I love the buffet scene. Oh my the god! Camera, yeah, I the camera, <laughs> the camera panning across the food. Oh man, dude, we are all about smorgasbords. Oh my god, same here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, I wonder uh, if that's see. I wonder if that's another thing that's like. Do they have those out west? Was that like a big thing? I don't know. Ponderosas and shit. I have no idea. Smorgasbords. Oh, just thinking about it makes me want to watch it again. So funny. There you have it. Ping Pong Summer. I would definitely recommend checking that out. And keep we'll keep you posted on things like release dates and that type of thing too. I'm definitely gonna be keeping my ear to the ground on this one. Yeah. Uh let's just move on and get right into uh, another review. This week we're gonna be talking about the Grand Budapest Hotel. And let me just let me just preface this with uh, I went to a wedding this weekend and I drove three hours out of my way just to see this movie. So I was very we're excited. Just, yeah, we're fucking dedicated. Yeah, absolutely. So directed by Wes Anderson, stars a ridiculous number of people, including Ray Fiennes, F. Murray Abraham, Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Jude Law, Bill Murray, Edward Norton, Source of Ronin, Jason Schwartzman. It almost seems easier to say who's not in it. Yeah. Uh, Tilda Swinton, Tom Wilkinson, Owen Wilson. I don't know if I said him already. Tons of people. <laughs> it's just gonna, I've said so It's going to be an hour of you just coming yeah, back I've around said, and just. I've said so many people that I forget who I've said. There's that many people in it. So the synopsis says. The adventures of Gustav H., a legendary concierge at a famous European hotel between the wars, and Zero Mustafa, the lobby boy who becomes his most trusted friend. Now, yeah. I got a little hint of what you think of this, so we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, what would you think of the Grand Budapest Hotel? Uh, this is another difficult one because technically, like on a technical level, it's impressive. There's no, there's no way around it. It's great to look at. The production design is unbelievable. Most, if not all, of the cinematography is great. Um, I did have a problem with a couple of things, but for me, the story was just extremely boring and just didn't connect with me at all. It just, I did, it felt hollow to me, which Wes, Ander- Wes Anderson films never feel that way for me. I'm always just completely bought in, love them, have a great time. The whole way through and just love the experience and i could you know of course he has his naysayers and his critics and stuff and i'm just like ah fuck you guys i love it i don't care <laughs> and then so you know i only read just a little tiny snippets here and there and mostly what i was hearing is it's the most wes anderson film that he's made yet which i don't even know what the hell that means but then you know i'm thinking well i'm gonna love it then because i love wes anderson and even the people that usually don't like him are like, oh, this is his best work. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And it just fell really flat for me. 
I was just really bored throughout the whole thing. I disagree. I was uh, completely into it the whole time. Now, I, I won't say that it was my favorite of his movies. Because um, at first, I was when I first walked out of it, I was like, wow, I, I think I like that more than Moonrise. But then as I sat with it for a little bit, I was like, eh, maybe not. I mean, I still don't really know where I'm sitting between those two. Certainly like Royal Tenenbaums and Rushmore more than this but at the same time i still loved it i think that visually this was his most robust movie yet Mm -hmm. i loved all the locations the i mean the hotel itself looked amazing i loved all the exterior stuff that he used with uh I don't know how he did it with like models or maybe oh, yeah. CG. He, or... he takes it to another level with his fucking miniatures. Yeah, I mean, I mean all that stuff. I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Uh, just I loved everything about it. I I do kind of see where you're where you're coming from, and I think that maybe what you're feeling is sort of a disconnect with the characters. I felt like the characters weren't as developed as yeah a normal a normal Wes Anderson movie. Because there's so many characters. I mean, we, you, you just heard me read off, like, and that's yeah. not even everybody. Oh, my God. And, the, I mean, and honestly, half of those characters are only there for, like, a, you know, five seconds. Some of well, some of, them, some of them don't even have lines or maybe just one line. Yeah, just and almost pointless to even be I, Yeah, and I, and I felt like he, he crammed in so many people and so many different characters that uh, it, there just wasn't a lot of time to to develop any one character. And even, I mean, we spend the most time with Gustav and Zero. And I I felt like I didn't even really know them very well throughout the movie. I didn't feel (laughs) this uh, connection to them. And I thought that that Ray Fiennes was hilarious. Oh, he was fantastic. He was fantastic. (laughs) I I loved him. (laughs) But I still didn't feel quite a connection to him. Now, that being said, although I didn't feel like a strong connection with the characters, I just loved everything that was happening in the movie. Like I had a smile on my face the entire time. I was just filled with joy over every little thing. I mean, from the very first scene with Tom Wilkinson when he's given his little yes. speech and the kid and it cuts over to the kid with the toy gun. <laughs> like that kind of sets the stage and I just I thought it was just ridiculous and and fun. I guess the comment that this is the most Wes Anderson Wes Anderson film, I, I I can kind of get it because it seems more quirky than his other stuff. I mean it's I it's really quirky. The only thing that I've really noticed and maybe I can see what they're saying is just him taking that whole uh miniature dollhouse aesthetic to like a whole nother level. Yeah. Because normally, you know, he does, there's usually like one shot of it, you know, in like Royal Tenenbaums or uh, Life Aquatic. There's just like that one shot where they sort of do, you know, it's like cut in half and they go through the whole building or the... Which happens to be like my favorite part of any of those movies. Yeah, but here it's just like nonstop. Everything is presented presented to you as like a miniature. And even when they're inhabiting the space... Is it the way he does the aspect ratio and everything, it makes it look like a miniature. Like they're actually inside of a dollhouse or, you know, this fake miniature hotel or whatever it is. So Yeah, everything's tiny. Like everything's small and, and but it just 
a lot of the scenes too were just they were just kind of silly. They seemed more silly than like just like the whole uh, the prison escape scene, which I loved. But it was just it had this kind of silly look to it, especially when they're using the little tiny tools to yes carve their way out and stuff. <laughs> oh God! I just love the the my favorite thing for me that was you know the most fun that I had with it is anytime that uh, Ralph Fiennes' character would be just waxing poetic on something and then something would just sort of happen to just cut him off like mid mm-hmm. you know like mid poem recital especially with the the scene involving uh Willem Dafoe mm-hmm. and I loved that after a while you knew that it was going to happen like anytime that he would start getting into like a long-winded speech or a poem or whatever the hell he was doing you knew that something was going to come and break that up and just the way he would react to it too it was just fantastic yeah, I thought he was. I just, just thought you, he was so funny. Usually involved a lot of swearing. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's uh, like a lot of Wes Anderson movies. There are <clears throat> spurts of almost shocking, uh, I guess, violence. Yeah, you could say. definitely. And there's always um, that animal that gets killed. Yeah, this that one. which <laughs> was a which was an incredibly funny scene with Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> which was uh i'm not gonna give it away but it was hilarious hmm. oh, i did a lot it's just the way he reacts <laughs> oh my god and, I was thinking and about it. some of the laugh. it's i don't i don't know but it just i don't know if i just had issues with like the tonal shifts throughout like how some of the violence was you know sort of high-end graphic stuff and then other times it would be played for laughs and it was like cutesy. Mm-hmm. Like when Jeff Goldblum, what happens mm-hmm. to him? It's just, I don't know. It's just, I, it, like you said, maybe it is because they, the characters just didn't seem that de- that developed outside of um, Gustav, Ralph Fiennes' character. It's just no one else seemed, I didn't really connect with anyone. Which I always yeah. have this difficulty when it comes to, you know, critiquing a movie like that is, you know... Because I always say that I don't subscribe to the thought that you have to connect with characters in order to like right. a movie. Because there's a lot of characters in movies that I never connect with, but they're still great movies and I enjoy them. I don't know why for this one, it just it didn't work for me. But I also think it's interesting because you weigh a movie so heavily on visuals. Yeah, I know. That's, and, I, and you rarely judge a movie based on story. I know. I, I don't know. I just think... I don't know if for me it was just the, the visuals were great for the time being, like at the beginning and everything, but then it just keeps redoing it over and over again that I just got bored by the end. I don't know. I'm not sure. I see I'm I'm just I'm completely befuddled. I'm befuddled every man right now. <laughs> I think you maybe need to I'm see just, it again. I'm just, a, just I'm a fucking befuddled every man. <laughs> <laughs> need to put you in a room with other befuddled every man. <laughs> um, I I didn't particularly like Adrian Brody's character because I didn't. I can't stand Adrian Brody. People, stop I giving really, the guy work, please. Just stop it. I liked him in uh, Darjeeling. I thought he was fine in that. I thought I just, he was actually quite funny in that. I just don't. I don't know how you go from. I don't even know how to say that to in app group. Free comedy or whatever. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> to the front of Grand Budapest Hotel. How's that happen? I'm not How's sure that how that... I don't know. But I didn't... Th- see, that was 
one of the issues I had was that, you know, part of this this movie is a murder mystery, but the the whole murder mystery part of it is so like underdeveloped that you're just like, what? And, and then you don't even really, it's like by the end, you don't really care yeah. who yeah. did it, but you don't, you never really know for sure either. I mean, you can, yeah. The, yeah, you, they pretty much narrow it down, you pretty, but you know, right off the bat, really pretty much. But, but a lot of the actions of the characters seem like Willem Dafoe is just a madman through the whole thing. Yeah. He, it just seems like, man, he's, being pretty extreme here it just it sort of seems like he you know he inhabited a different film like he did yeah. for me he just seemed wholly out of place i liked the, his look though he was i thought he looked he was I thought he looked great he was ridiculous <laughs> but yeah he, he was kind of like him and adrian brody and then like the the three weird sisters <laughs> i don't know it just it felt like uh it felt like it was a cartoon. Fucking just befuddled. I'm so befuddled. <laughs> I, I still love it though. I, I still don't know. I thought it was there was there was enough there for me to just be fully invested in every second of it, and I just I loved their crazy adventure. Their adventure was nuts. I thought Jason Jason Schwartzman was hilarious in his little scene. Even Owen Wilson, even though he had a very, very small part, very, I thought he was small. really fun. <laughs> I thought he was really funny. I highly enjoyed Jeff Goldblum, as always. Ugh. I just we I need more Goldblum. Goldblum needs to be in everything. I don't know why. I was really I was really thankful that he was in like a good portion of this movie too. Yes. Because I thought he was great. He's just he's fantastic. Uh love the music, as always. I was but different towards it. That actually leads me to one of my biggest gripes oh, about shit. this movie. What? And I think you probably know what it is because I told you. No big slow motion scene with the music playing over top. Okay, what the fuck's that all about? Like honestly, uh, they made a I don't somebody think, made a. I don't think this is a Wes Anderson film. I think we've been somebody too- made a Vimeo uh, compilation that just had the slow motion parts of Wes Anderson movies, and it's incredible. And those those scenes were always the ones that tied the whole movie together for me. Yeah, like even even when I saw. I saw Rushmore before I saw Bottle Rocket. So Rushmore was my first Wes Anderson movie. And seeing that in the theater, just the slow motion scenes during that, especially like at the end when everybody's coming together after the play. And just from that point, I was just like, man, this is incredible. And Royal Tenenbaums too, like the slow motion. And even in um, Life Aquatic, which is like one of my favorites, where after he comes out of the premiere and he puts the kid on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like those slow motion scenes are so fucking good. And yeah. I'm always looking it. for that. You didn't get it here. No, you didn't, didn't get it. Didn't I, get I was it. really disappointed in that. They did kill a cat, though. Yeah, you they s- killed a you cat. Still got still. The, you still got the animal death. Still, I was uh, I see, uh, really disappointed. See, I think maybe that's 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 my problem right here. Because it just, for me, it wasn't fun enough. It wasn't fun like all the other Wes Anderson films that I've watched. And it's he always had that whimsical sense of fun well, see, with that here, like just undercurrent of just that twinge of sadness. Well, see, that's the thing. They would always crop I, up like once in just like through a little small exchange of dialogue. You would just be like, oh, shit, this is really sad. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, uh, I didn't feel that sadness at all. <laughs> 
in this movie. I thought that this movie was uh, like all fun, well, that's, no sad. See, this is even though maybe, even though sad things do happen yeah. in this movie, very sad things happen, but. I just wasn't feeling it on the same level as like Royal Tenenbaums or even Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, and I think that's that's the problem that I'm having because this wasn't, you know, this is more like a personal thing for me. It wasn't what I was expecting. Like, sort of, it's not that Wes Anderson sort of went off route and did something completely different, but he did switch it up enough that it sort of caught me off guard. That I'm just like, hey, wait, this isn't this isn't the Wes Anderson I know. You know, where's the Where's the slow motion shot? Where's the awesome soundtrack? Where's the all the fun and the really quirky shit? Yeah. Instead of just like violence and death. Was there was there even a soundtrack at all other than the the just the regular score? I, I don't I don't think I don't so. Think like there I, was. I honestly can't remember the score at all because I was so indifferent towards it. I remember there there were a couple parts that it stuck out to me and that's why i mentioned and i think that i think that's what you know that's what i'm trying to say maybe i do have to revisit it knowing now that okay this isn't your normal wes anderson film he's doing something just a bit different he seems to be a little more serious in his own way though i mean it's not full and serious where he's doing like a haneke movie or something which would be Mm. fucking awesome to see (laughs) yeah now, what did you think of like the framing? How how it's they use like the Jude Law, um, oh, the old story with, story with yeah. It. I I could have done without it. I th- I thought it was interesting in the sense that you know the sort of talked about at the end with the keeping the illusion up and um, Ralph Fiennes' character being someone from a bygone era that more than actually never existed never ever existed. Yeah, yeah, you know he's just he's that type of person, which it sort of makes sense because I think. I've never read Stefan Zweig, who is sort of, this film is sort of based off of his writings. I've never read him, but I, from what I've sort of heard about him and, you know, just reading synopses of, of his novels and stuff, it seems like that that's sort of what he did is he would reminisce about these bygone eras of Vienna. But when you sort of romanticize those types of things, you turn it into something that never really existed in the first place. You just have this, you know, grand idea of, this unbelievable place in in time and history, but it never actually existed. Right. Because you're just glorifying and romanticizing everything. So I thought it was interesting in that sense, but it also, it did, it peeved me because the boy that plays Zero and then they have F. Murray Abraham, there's only, this only takes place 30 years later. And he goes from like 18 years old to like 78 <laughs> like that really he was Indian and now he's not that, yeah. that just that irritated me for some reason yeah well that it kind of bothered me too Plus I just, but I thought I just thought Jubal was not good he was fine to me I didn't have an issue with him I thought it was fine uh, I like the shootout too I wanted to mention that the, the yes. shootout scene once when the war broke out and basically the the hotel was used as a barracks. Uh, th- just that whole shootout scene, I thought was really funny. I, Edward Norton, I thought was great too. <laughs> just Who are you shooting at? I just love the fact that Edward Norton doesn't even try an accent. He just no, just Ed Norton voice. <laughs> don't don't even fucking try. I I highly recommend it. I mean, f- fans of Wes Anderson, I think that. Uh, Despite what Kevin says, I think that most fans of Wes Anderson will probably yeah, love yeah. this. They, they will. They will. I mean, and the naysayers are still going to be the naysayers. 
But it's it's kind of funny because all the other films that he's come out with in the past, you know, they've always been like, oh, it's so Wes Anderson. Oh, he does the same thing over and over again. Same style. It's all style. And I was always like, oh, shut up. This is so it's great. I love it. And now with this film, I'm like, I'm that guy now. I'm like, so this is this <laughs> the first one where you're like, OK, it's like, right. I see what you're saying. Is... But the problem is that all those people who used to say that are the ones now saying that this is his best work. I'm like, where the fuck you guys go? It's funny because every, every every time a Wes Anderson movie comes out, I think maybe with the exception of Darjeeling Limited, people were like, oh, this is his best. It's the best one he's done. He's outdone himself. Yeah. I mean, and I, I don't think it's his best. I said that before. I, no, it's de- it's definitely not his best. I think for me, Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums still are untouched. Yeah, Royal Tenenbaums is just in Life Aquatic. For me, are they just... I don't think Life Aquatic too. I really like Life Aquatic. I don't think I ever touched those. All right. Uh, what are you going to give Grand Budapest Hotel out of 10? Uh, I give it a 7. I'm going to give it a 9. I got to go 9. I still loved it. I still thought it was just great. I thought it was hilarious. I was just put a smile on my face, Kevin. Just, it just slapped a smile on it. It, befuddled it just me. made me happy. Befuddled That's... me. That's befuddled. <laughs> just... Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some predictions. Last week, we predicted Noah. You said 52. I said 56. Actual 76. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah, some people are liking Noah. Some people are liking Noah. <laughs> uh, sabotage. You said 60. I said 58. Actual 22. <laughs> Ouch. Mm. People are not liking the sabotage. Yeah. That's for sure. And not into and finally, The Raid 2, you said 137, I said 295, actual 75. Oh, shit. How's that lower than Noah? That's, I think people don't get The Raid 2. It's horse shit. Well, I know that there was one uh, one critic that saw it when I saw it at Sundance, and he walked out of the film because it was too violent. Oh, you fucking idiot. Yeah. He, he actually walked out of the film because he couldn't take it. He thought he was going to vomit. I think that people... I can understand why people are criticizing The Raid 2, but for me, it's, it's one of the best action films ever made, yes. period. Without a doubt. I haven't seen the damn thing. I gave, it a 10 out of t- I, I gave it a 10 out of 10 because of that. Like, that's <laughs> the reason. There's there's flaws with the movie, yes. Like, uh, but yeah, as, a, a, doubt, as a genre picture... It is definitely one of the best ever. I mean, yeah, the history I mean, of action movies, it's definitely in the top 10. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, I had to, I just had to give it a 10 out of 10 because it takes everything from the first one and ups the ante. It puts in this uh, a grand kind of scoping epic story that I did not expect whatsoever. Yes. And it's... The action is completely unparalleled, and it gets a 10 out of 10 just, just for that action. Let's see. Next week, the only one that's really coming out wide release that I'm aware of is Captain America. I think that uh, people were just like, okay, you can have that. You can have you get, that weekend. That, we're not going to touch that. You get that weekend. Now, it does. That may be a The cool. embargo has lifted off of this, so reviews are coming out now, and I think it's sitting like at a 93. Uh-huh. If that's gonna. I'm so, it's such a boring hero, superhero. Can't stand it. I didn't like the first one. I th- you, you, I thought you said that you thought the first one was okay. I enjoyed the first 
I enjoyed up until the part where he came, became Captain America, like when he got the the suit or whatever. Mm. And then that part, I just checked out. I was like, I don't like this anymore. Uh, and then okay. he bored what the shit out of me in the Avengers. It's just like, oh my god. I like him. Yeah. I, I like the one scene. I can't remember if it was from the trailer of this one where I think someone was like, I don't know if it was Scarlett Johansson, was like, well, do you have any plans after this? And he goes, well, all the members of my barbershop quartet are dead, so no, I don't. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Barbershop quartets. Uh, what are you thinking on Captain America, the Winter Soldier? The Winter Soldier. What a title. Uh, that's that's actually the same title of the comic book arc that this is based on. Uh, okay. Which uh, is actually a really good uh, series. Um, I'm going to go 80, 82. 82? Solid. 82. I'm going to say, uh, I'll say 84 on Captain America. I have high hopes for it. Right. I'll definitely be seeing it. I will. In limited okay. release next week, we also have The Retrieval, Afflicted, which is a horror movie. Uh, the Retrieval we saw last at last year's South By. You can read our review for that. I recommend Under that the, one. Yeah, definitely recommend. Under the Skin. Oh, uh, yeah. Which I'm very excited for. I actually saw a trailer for that when I went to see Grand Budapest. Uh, I got the trailer for her. Heaven is re- for real. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, another thing that I sort of forgot to mention is I went... Uh, yesterday or Saturday, I went to see Grand Budapest Hotel. I went at like one, like the one thirty screening, right? So I'm thinking it's not going to be that busy. I get there, fucking theater is packed and hmm. parking lot jam packed. And I'm thinking, oh, I guess people are here for Noah, right? No, mm-hmm. like everyone was going to that uh, God's Not Dead movie. Oh no, that's what because that was like right beside. The, the Grand Budapest Hotel. So I see all these people walking down, and that was the only, you know, the only two at that end. And I'm thinking, oh my god, all these people are here for Grand Budapest Hotel. That's awesome. And then they all walked into God's Not Dead, and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're the you're going <laughs> to the wrong theater. Hey, buddy, you're going to the wrong theater. You know, I, you're going in to see God's Not Dead, I thought, right? I, I thought you came to see a movie. Well, I was completely. I thought God's Not Dead was a documentary for some uh, reason. I did too, and then I found like, isn't Kevin Sorbo in it? Kevin something? Sorbo, yeah. What the fuck? I I didn't know, like, cause uh, I don't know how we got talking about it. We were in the car, and my girlfriend was like, "Did you see the trailer for that movie?" And I was like, "I was like, no, isn't it like a documentary or something?" And she's like, "No, it's like Kevin Sorbo plays a a school teacher or something." Anyway. Uh. Uh, if if Under the Skin is playing in your area, I would highly recommend checking that one out. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, Alan Partridge also comes out in Select Cities and Infomaniac Volume 2. Ooh, right there you go. That's a pretty solid week for yeah. limited releases. That is, yeah, that is pretty good. But a lot of these you can see on On Demand. Like The Retrieval is going to be On Demand. I don't know about Afflicted, but I think that it will be. Alan Partridge and Nymphomaniac are both on demand right now. So check them out. Uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases next week. We have 47 Ronin. Heard pretty bad things. That seems like too, price... too many Ronins. Too many. That's just... I mean, 40, 45, you're good. 47, that's it's, it. it. Yeah, that's just a lot of dead weight. That's a lot of Ronins. You, you'd think that there wouldn't be that many. 
It's samurai without a mask. It's a, it's a riches of Ronins. There's so many Ronins just wandering <laughs> aimlessly throughout the land. It's <laughs> uh, actually quite a big problem. <laughs> it's, it's actually a serious problem now. We have too many Ronins out there. It needs it needs to be addressed. Honestly, <laughs> we have Ronin traps set up throughout <laughs> the forest. <laughs> We're trying to thin it out. It's becoming a real problem. <laughs> Mm. Uh, also, Anchorman Two. Nothing. That's getting a quick release. Yeah, that's it's getting a really quick turnaround release. time on that one. Was yeah, because remember they re-released it in theaters, yeah. the R-rated version, and then like two weeks later, that's hitting Blu-ray and DVD. Crazy. I'm excited though because I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. Yeah, uh, Knights of Bad Astem. Heard that was terrible. Skip, skip that one. It's unfortunate. Unfortunately, bad. And the pirate fairy. What? What? Is... Hold on. The pirate fairy. What are you talking about? The pirate fairy. Are you are you sure you read that right? Are you, yeah. Are you, unfortunately, are you pronouncing that correctly? I think uh, Tom Hiddleston does a voice in that. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, this is Loki. a Disney movie. What? The pirate fairy. When did this happen? I don't know. I don't know really anything about it. Except that it's animated. Wow. Tinker- <laughs> and Tom Hiddleston's in it. Tinkerbell's in it. Yeah, Tinkerbell? MC Fairy? There's an MC yeah. Fairy. That's all you need to okay. know. There's, there's hip-hop right. fairies. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. It looks pretty bad. So. Oh, boy. Uh, any other ones that I missed? Uh, no. I don't think so. Nothing? Nothing. No Criterions? No Criterions, actually, no. They're just... They're holding off. Well, it sounds like next week is a it's a good week for VOD. Yeah. Watch some VOD. Get all over that VOD. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit filmpulse.net. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net, and we'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net, and rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. Hi, right, no, I'm Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. Follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet for FilmPulse. <laughs> uh, do you know? Do you know our website? Yes. Have you been to before? I was. Are you honestly? I was holding back a burp, <laughs> and it was it was creeping up, and I was trying to get through it, uh, and it fucked everything up. Awesome.